going on dgen nation tyler tambaline here bringing you another fantasy golf degenerates podcast this week for the rbc heritage i am without my partner in crime this week kenny kim he's out for the week so hopefully everything's all good there but we did bring in our resident fill-in mr ryan baroff baroff how you doing this week man i'm good a little masters hangover but uh, ready to talk some rbc heritage yeah same same we're gonna go through the masters do a full recap go through it quickly so you guys can use the timestamps if you want to jump ahead, but before we get into it, I want to remind everyone very quickly, this show is brought to you and sponsored by DraftKings. We'll definitely have an offer for you later. It's a, a gimme, as they call it this week. So you can check that out before we get into the DFS tiers a little bit later on. And then, of course, Fantasy National, fantasynational.com slash FGD. Get yourself 20% off your first payment over there. Bear off. We were saying, uh, you know, offline, we weren't on the show together last week, but I did so many freaking shows last week. I'm just going through with everybody like, this 11K Scotty Scheffler beats us. It's like the second coming of Tiger Woods. The uh, He did win the green jacket. Obviously, we'll get to that in a second. But the stat came out like right after the last person to win four events in a season, including a major and a WGC, was Tiger Woods like six times. Other than that, I don't think anyone else has ever done it, uh, at least in the, the tracking era of going through it all. So he is maybe the next coming of Tiger Woods since he's got that win at the Waste Management Phoenix Open. He's turned it on. I joked, you know, I always said this. I used to say the SS in Scotty Scheffler stands for shitty Sundays because that's what he would have. It would, all, it would always be a bad Sunday. We knew he was a winner, but he wasn't closing. And that, you know, I saw today the Colt Nose stat, something like 90 out of 130 junior events. The guy's been winning things his whole life. But now it's a it's a whole new world. So I said today, you know, secret sauce, superstar, silly stuff. That hot, that shot on three, just bouncing it up mm-hmm. in and putting it into the hole, just craziness for Scotty Scheffler. So give me your thoughts on him first, and just this amazing run that he's continued to go on here. Yeah, I mean, look, I think in a vacuum, not surprised that he won. Like the guy just won three times. Why? Mm-hmm. Why would he be surprised? Um, I did think that he was overpriced for DraftKings if he wasn't going to win. Um, but even so, like you saw big GPPs won without Scotty Scheffler. You know, you had JT up there and Morikawa and Rory and Cam Smith, all pretty high price. Um, and it ended up being about that combo down low. Like if it was M on your team or, you know, if someone has Schwartz or something like that. Um, but yeah, Scotty's been incredible. Like he's doing what we always knew that he could do, but the short game has just been unreal. Like that, I think that piece of it was uh, really on display all week and probably not sustainable moving forward, but uh, yeah, really cool to see. Yeah. Well, what about the uh, Ted Scott factor? Do you think that has anything to do with it? Because again, like you said, we know he's had it in him. We were expecting it. There was plenty of chances, but even like back to the waste management Phoenix open, I've said this a few times since that. And because we've been talking about the guy every single week, but remember back to that with that playoff with Cantley, he almost didn't close that one out. Like he had a chance. He had some shaky putts down the stretch when he won at API It ended up being after the fact, but he had some wayward drives down the stretch, like it's been shaky to get these wins, but you can't take them away, right? They all count. So do you think the Ted Scott factor is real? And how much do you think that affects things like short game? Obviously, Bubba, mm-hmm. when he was with him, was a creative of his own. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I think for a course like Augusta, it certainly helps. Again, he's not hitting the shots, right? You have to hit the shots. Uh, but definitely kind of where to go, where to miss things like that. Um, I would say, you know, if an experienced caddy helps in any one area, it's probably with the mindset of just realizing that like you're going to miss shots and that's okay. 
Um, I think yeah. when you are as close as Scotty was many, many times and not getting there, he was probably putting a lot of pressure on himself to play perfect golf. You don't have to play perfect golf, right? Everybody's going to make bogeys. Probably everyone's going to make doubles. And I think he's now in that mindset where he knows that he doesn't have to be perfect and just very comfortable playing his own game. Yeah, it looked really good. And like you said, I think it's important. Obviously, the stories came out after of him sort of weeping in the morning, not sure if he was ready for the big spotlight yet. Obviously, those other wins were huge, but nothing like putting on a green jacket, coming back to Augusta National for the rest of your life, talking about his wife, Meredith, you know, being there for him and all that. But I think, like you said, the mindset is so critical. And a guy like Ted Scott, that's what really helps. Like you said, he's got to go out and hit the shots, all of that. Let's, you know, we, we talk so much about Scotty. It's an incredible feat. Great to him. Congrats to Scotty Scheffler. We love to see it. But like you said, we'll see some of the tournaments. Like you said, from a DFS perspective, you didn't love to see it. You could still get there. Like the $100 was not, he was not needed in that. The 44, 44 mega, he was not needed in that. And then people say, yeah, sure. But of course he was needed in the $15. I look back, it was, you know, ifs and buts, obviously. But the guy that won the $100 didn't put it in the $15 and he would have been second in the $15. Now that's not first. There's a wide margin between a million and a hundred thousand. But the point being, uh, you know, one switch there, one switch there. And if Scotty doesn't win now, Scotty won in good fashion. Another note, just, you know, funny enough, do all the showdown shows free here on the Mayo media network on Thursday night for round two on Friday night for round three. And then we do the premium at run pure sports round four. The round four one was interesting because again, this is now back to back years when Hideki won it, 11 under over seven under going into the final round finished out 10 under neither him nor X nor any of the guys in the top that year were required in Sunday round four showdown. And then yesterday, again, uh, the lead that Scotty had three strokes with Cam Smith did not need either of them in the winning lineups near the top that the winner and the ones around it just wasn't needed play a little bit more conservative down the stretch. So good to keep track of for next year. I want to talk next about obviously Tiger Woods want to have a quick conversation around him. I mean, Man, it was incredible the, to make the cut bet. We all knew was literally, I, I said to Mayo at one point last week, I think it's just a promo from the books that's not actually a promotion. Like they just know we'll bet that because it's literally yeah. plus money. It's free money. They'll take our money elsewhere when we don't bet Scotty. Maybe if, if you did bet him, congrats to you. But if you didn't, it's okay. You're going to be okay. Like, a, you know, most of the people that bet Scotty last week would have had him on their card with three other guys at 20 to one. It's, you know, it's still a good payout, but it's not life changing or anything for anybody. So uh, what are your thoughts on Tiger and what you saw? And then we heard he's coming back at Pebble as we sort of all expected from the very beginning. Yeah. You know, I, I, I think it was awesome to see him. I think he did exactly kind of what we expected. I mean, there was no doubt that as the week went on, he was going to break down. He was going to get tired. He was going to show rust uh, as the course started to firm up. And of course he was hurt. I mean, yeah. All day Saturday and especially all day Sunday, like there was a noticeable limp. There were shots that he couldn't hit and things like that. Um, I got a little aggressive and bet him top 20 as well. So that was unfortunate. Um, but yeah, like he's not going to come there and miss the cut. He hasn't missed the cut there in 22 years. Um, he just wouldn't be there if that were the case. He knew that he can get through a couple of rounds. And at that point, he hoped that he was in contention and the adrenaline would kick in and he would kind of be fine to go. Um, I personally you know, I think we will see him at, at the PGA. He says he's not going to play till St. Andrews potentially, but um, he wants to catch Jack Nicholas and you can't skip majors at this age and expect to win a couple more. So um, I think we'll see him there. And like, it's very possible. We only see him four times a year for the next couple of years. Like that's, I'm, I guess maybe if he makes the playoffs and he wants to play in a FedEx cup event, but like, that's not what he's here for. So uh, I expect him at, at all four majors this year. 
Yeah, I agree with everything you said. I think that's pretty much exactly it. Like the, he doesn't need to prove anything else at this point, right? He's just going out to try and get this major record. You can't do it by skipping majors. Like you said, he knew he could make a cut here. He knew the game. He said it all week, even pre-interviews. He said, I know my game's there. It's the walk. We'll see. But it was it was true, man. He tested it out by Sunday. I mean, it was always tough going down hills, watching him. But it was like, is the leg even attached? Like, does he have an apparatus on under? Like, it was unfortunate how yeah. bad it looked going for him. He was muscling through it. You could tell with the grit in his teeth and everything. And that's Tiger Woods, right? He's not human. So uh, expect nothing less, obviously. But just coming down the stretch, definitely could tell there was some pain there. Hopefully ramps it up. We do see him at the PGA Championship. That would be awesome. And then, of course, the whole conversation all year leading up to even this event was Pebble, where it's an easier walk. It's a course he just knows so well, a realistic opportunity for him. But hey, we'll wait. We'll see. We'll go. We'll see what goes on from there. And then lastly, want to touch on, uh, you know, one more thing and I'll open up to you, but Rory, like this guy, incredible round yesterday. One thing I'll say, but like, man, he wasn't winning. Everyone was going crazy. Like it's about to, I think at like the highest he got to for even a chance was like 2.7% and not the data golf guy that everyone else is out there, but just to check it and see, like we use it for predictive cut lines and we can try and see some accuracy. Like he never got there. He had to hole out like everything and it's not taking away from him. He's he tied the record or whatever, but the point was more and that shot on 18 with Morikawa following it up. Absolutely incredible. Not taking it away, but Rory, what do you think of the round? You know, did, I didn't think he was ever winning. Maybe you did, but you know, there's a lot of hype around that. And then lastly, what do you think we see moving forward with Roy McIlroy? Yeah, I thought it was cool. I thought uh, the best part of the round was that he stayed clean, right? Like we've yeah. seen Rory go on these runs before and then it's a three putt here missed up and down here. He got them all yesterday. Um, obviously we ran pretty good with, I think he had three hole outs from off the green. That's not going to happen very often. Um, yeah. You know, I think the, I, I think the most impressive part of the week for Rory was that he grinded this one out, right? He didn't have his best up early in the week. Like normally when he contends, he opens with a 65 and he just kind of stays there right here. I think halfway through Friday, he was either plus three or plus four. It looked like he might just mail it in with Brooks there in that final group. And uh, he stuck it out, got back to plus two, played really solid on, on, on Saturday. And then I was a 64 Sunday. So I have a lot of confidence in him moving forward. I, I think this will give him a lot of confidence. Um, if I had to pick, not going to bet against him at Quill Hollow, that's for sure. Yeah. And if you get a win uh, right before a PGA or something like that, could see him rolling that over again. So very bullish on uh, Rory moving forward. Yeah, the one thing I'll say, that driver was literally automatic. Like, he was picking it up. There was something weird going on Sunday because that thing was going 25 yards further than anybody else was hitting it. I have no idea exactly. Everyone was talking about that was the best part. Like, I didn't think he was going to pull out the W. I mean, if Scotty fell back some way somehow, great. But but the main thing was – Someone said hitting missiles. I was like, yeah, like he's just bombing it out there for real. And like I said, the minute he hit it, it was like, just grab the thing and move on. Like he knew where it was going. And like yeah. you said, we're, we're so prone to like, okay, now here comes amen corner. Where's the blow up at, or, or where's that wide T ball or whatever it's going to be. And absolutely none of it. And then on top of it, he closes out with a, again, lucky bunker shot, but that's just, you're feeling it, man. He was definitely mm-hmm. feeling it. And I don't know what that celebration was, but we'll be able to use it this week. I'm sure in gift format. Yeah, no, for sure. And look, I think he had to bury 14 and, of course, 15, uh, not just to put pressure on on Scotty, but to put pressure on Scotty before he got through the hard holes. Uh, because really, like, once Cam Rinstead on 12, Scotty kind of knew that, okay, I par 12, birdie 13, I'm going to be four or five clear of, of anybody. And at that point, it's pretty much ball game over. Yeah, that, that's where – it's a good segue, actually. I'm going to go there in a second. But that's also where Ted Scott comes in if – 
Scotty's not already sure enough, which I'm sure he was, but just to say like, it's easy, man. We're just going to like the layup, right. To then ship it up over the Creek to just take what you get, take what the course gives you. We're not pressing anything because we have it in the bag. We just close this thing out. And then of course uh, we didn't talk about it, but the, uh, the six putts he had to go on, on 18 and he used what, four of them. I think. Oh yeah, it was good. Yeah. Look, I'm, look it's a, a very human moment. So it was good. Yeah. He said to like, even like realizing that he's going to be coming back here forever. Obviously it's tough to, to close it at any time. I think Hideki missed his putt at the end. That was a short one, but that's Hideki for you. And then he tapped in, didn't four putt, but you know what I mean? Uh, I didn't yeah. want to segue to that though. Go, that, uh, I'll go, go to you in one second. That was my final thought though, was the Cam Smith thing. There was conversation about this, like he had to go for it because, you know, he's that far back. He has to put the pressure. And if he just puts it like he did at 17 on Sa- at Sawgrass, it would have put a lot of pressure on Scotty, who had planned to just go for the middle of the green, make his par the old Jack Nicholas style tiger back in 19 when like, what was it? Finau, Poulter, uh, Brooks, who else? Yeah. Everybody, Molinari, of course, all went into the water there and then tiger just stole it away. But Funny enough, Cam Smith, who's very honest, by the way, almost a Rory-esque on the microphone after the fact, after the players, he said, I went for the middle of the green and it just sort of pushed on me and I got lucky on 17 and it looked like he had the ballsiest shot of all time. He didn't have to tell his secret, but he said, I kind of pushed it and it landed where it needed to. And then he goes on to win the players over Lahiri. This one. He said after the fact, he said, I try, I didn't even try and go near that pin. He was trying for the other side. He pushed it like he did at 17, the irony of the players, except this was on 12 at the Masters, and the wind took it and came up short, and it goes in the water. Uh, he could have said that he was just going for it to be aggressive, but what were your thoughts on, on how that played out? Because it ended the tournament, in my mind. Yeah, I mean, I think he was being aggressive for sure. I didn't see it that way. Like, I mean, I didn't hear everything he said post-round, but it looked to me like he was pretty much aiming right at it. And almost trying to hit like a, a like a trap draw back there, and that way, if he missed, he missed long. I think he just mishit it. I think that's it. He just he just mishit it. It went high and right, and yeah, that was that. Um, yeah, like I think he was not only three down, right? Scotty wasn't making many mistakes, and he had to expect Scotty to probably birdie thirteen. So he's like, all right, I effectively need four birdies. Where are these going to come? Well, probably 12, 13, 14, 15, right? Like. Yeah, I think it was fine. I think it was just a bad swing at a bad time. Yeah, I, I agree. When it first came out, it looked like he was aiming that way. And I said, this ain't 17 here, Cam. Like, you got to you gotta hit the shot that you need. And, and again, he might, might have tried, but it definitely came up short. Anything else you want to talk about at the Masters before we move on? Um, y- yeah, you know, Cam Sham loves yeah. that place. Uh, I said it last year. I mean, so I won uh, my big PPP there a couple of years ago with Cam Champ, And I said, I'm going to play him every year that he's here. Uh, it's about all I got right last week. Um, but yeah, I think that was impressive. I think a couple of the rookies, you know, Higgs tied for 14th, Varner played surprisingly well. Um, we always talk about the first timers and lack of experience, but it seems like these young players are so good. And I mean, they do practice rounds. They've all seen this course a zillion times. I think, I think you're going to see more guys like Scotty Scheffler and Will Zalatoris who win here pretty quickly. So I think that was good to see. Yeah, I'm coming around on this Willie Z train. We'll have to see. I don't think I can be betting these numbers that we'll get on the guy, but man, he just, he keeps showing up and he does some crazy stuff. Like he missed that three foot Eagle, but he was making, he made that crazy putt early on where you aim this way to go that way. Made another long one later on a little chip. So I think he just needs to go win an event. Like he needs to go play a crappy event like the John Deere and go get a win because he would steamroll it. He's playing all this. He's playing WGCs. He's playing majors and contending. He's 
contending at Torrey Pines. Like he's contending in these really tough fields. Like just go to a crappy field and get a win, you know? Yeah. He needs the Scheffler approach, right? Like get that first yeah. W floodgates open because it's just the little pressure moments and things down the stretch. But you mentioned it like uh, a few guys that I want, like I wanted Bobby Mack to get top 12. Didn't happen. Mm-hmm. I thought Min Woo, what a great start to his round. I know it didn't end well. Poor the guy. back nine was yeah. the opposite of the front nine, but just to see the guy out there, my dad was watching with me. He's like, how old is that kid? Like, holy shit. I was like, yeah. And this is what it's like now. His sister is incredible too. I said like, this is just, this is an up and coming guy that you'll be seeing a lot more of in the future. And then, you know, Gooch Higgs, those guys that were right there again too, but it was nice to see, uh, you know, Cam Champ do it again, get through a bunch of these guys up at the top. Connors again, Canadian love there. This guy just keeps coming back has his best finish yet at the Masters, so good for him. And then, like you mentioned, Willie Z. I guess last thing, Kawa, because he's in the field for this week, we'll segue to him later. But now uh, I just saw the stat. Andy Lack tweeted it out before we hopped on. Uh, top five now in all the majors on top of winning two of them. So, uh, you know, final thoughts, Kawa, before we move on from the Masters? Yeah, I mean, when he's playing well, right, he doesn't make mistakes in the iron place. It's going to give him so many good opportunities for birdies, right? Yeah. Um, I I'm still not sure that he can win a Masters. He's now proven that he can play well there. I obviously still have concerns about the short game and putting and things like that on 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 the greens that are that tricky. But um, yeah, I think he's a very worthy world number two at this point. Yeah, I agree. That was the the other news. Obviously, he took over number two. But the uh, the all around game that's needed. I think Ben Coley tweeted out today, like about Lowry. Lowry just had the complete game and the only thing he was missing, he tied basically everything was right on par with Scheffler, but the approach game was way off. And that's been his best thing over the last yeah. three months. He just loses it at the time most needed, but it just goes to show. And he was still up there. Obviously that triple took him out. Could have been eight under, could have been in the mix even more if he had the irons on top of avoiding that triple. But the point is more that like you have to have that short game around there. Or you're lost. Everything is wide open. I guess that was my last gripe. I want to move on, but I keep talking about the, like it was just so open. Like there was no chance down the stretch realistically to me anyway, besides 12, once 12 hit and was over, it's over. Like there's no chance in my opinion from 13 to 18 for Scotty to lose that. It's very tough. No, the only hole would have been 15. And like, yes, it's a really tough wedge shot there, but uh, with the, I guess with the rain, with the conditions being softer, I only saw like one or two guys spin wedges back into that water. Right. Like I know Adam Scott did it and like made an eight. I think one or two other guys did it. But it just seemed like that hole was a very easy five. And then a bunch of guys made either four or six. Like there just, yeah, it wasn't a lot of drama there this year. You you said it too. And that's, that's what happens. It's unfortunate, right? The, the blowout makes it tough, but that's when you get the best golfers in the world, that's the way it happens. And Scotty has been the best golfer and he is, and he's number one. So it'll happen. I'm not as mad at just one of those things that shows. And yeah, I think 15 was like the first time since 1960 something with no Eagles all yep. week. But to your point, the other side of the coin no real situations like Sergio with an 11 or anything like that. It, you know, nothing yeah. where guys were getting into trouble on that hole either. It was like a, it was a birdie, a par or a bogey. That's pretty much what you saw on that hole all week. Nothing really crazy. So we'll move on. I want to go on to the listener league for a second. We had uh, SM Haas 31. I'll read you off the lineup. You can give me your thoughts. And then SM Haas, we'll see you in the four man this week. Kenny will be in it with Bearoff, myself, and we'll get you in there. I already saw you join the tournament of champions for end of season, but his lineup. So again, no Scheffler needed 443. I think like 480 ish took down the big tournaments, but again, just to give it out here, JT, Cam Smith, Willie Z. So 10 K and two nine K guys. Then he dropped it down to Siwoo Kim at 7,100 rounded out with your boy, Cam champ and Kevin Na, both down there in the six K range. What do you think of the lineup? 
Very aggressive team for sure. Um, I guess I'm surprised that it doesn't have Connors or Fitz because it seemed like uh, they were both the top two values and obviously both smashed and did really well. Um, but yeah, strong team. I, I think, I think uh, pretty big disappointment with JT over the weekend. He, he salvaged, um, but you would like to see him get himself into contention more, but yeah, really nice team. Cam Smith uh, went a little bit overlooked and of course was the key again. Yeah. You had to have him. The, uh, the JT factor you just mentioned, like he, he pulled a Rory, right? Basically or what mm-hmm. we've seen at a Rory at majors recently, the 76 on Thursday, grind it back a little bit, 67 and then two seventy twos over the weekend. I like the lineup SM Haas. I like, you know, you got two guys, 20% owned in the Siwoo Kim value play and the, the heavily owned JT up top. Cam Smith, not as owned in this contest, only around 13, Willie Z 15, and then Na and Champ, both at five or under. So I do like that. I also think it's good to take note for next year, just around the 6K range at the Masters, it gets there, right? Like there definitely is ability to go with the more aggressive approach, get some more win equity into your lineup up top with JT, Cam. And then you could say Will Zalatoris, right? He at least can come top two. He might not win it, but he'll come second. And then you got uh, Sibu Kim, uh, Kevin Na and Cam Champ. But Cam Champ, like you said, has just played incredible there. Nah, with the, the necessary around the green game needed, just did really well. T14 for him without the length, really. Uh, and then we'll talk about him this week, of course. And Siwoo Kim, we'll talk about for this week as well. So go ahead. Yeah, it, it was just super interesting. Like, talk about stacking and kind of win equity. Like, how many people, uh, I'll, I'll uh, include our boy Slep here, uh, on their main team went Spieth Brooks Xander. Like it, a lot of people did that and they did it for exactly that reason. And it just, you know, unfortunately turned out very, very bad. It, it is. And it's not, a, I don't, again, I won't take away from it. Cause obviously slept very sharp. Our boy there, uh, you know, just circling the drain. If you don't know CRC LNG DRN and he crushes everything, every sport, one of the best GPP players in the world. And so I'm not going to take away from him with that build, but it is one thing I was thinking about last week, bear off and just looking at it. Like, it's, I didn't think it was like the sneaky, sneaky approach because, well, yes, you were getting the three win equity players in there. It was guys with popularity. So then you're mm-hmm. filling it up with some of the guys. And again, you could be completely different in the 7K range. You could go down to the 6K range. You could do whatever you wanted to get unique from there. But I just felt like that was one of the things. And then the other angle last week on the opposite spectrum, I thought it was really bad to try and do like a Rom Scheffler, the two most expensive because then you'd be too, you'd be the opposite effect where you have to put a bunch of guys at the bottom, hope they find their way and basically need a Scheffler ROM one, two could have got there with like other builds. I don't know. I didn't look at it, but like you said, it just depended on the value plays that you used. Yeah. All right. We'll move on. Uh, let's talk about the course for this. We don't have Kenny Kim as always. So we won't have the full course preview or breakdown. Luckily it's a course that many know, but there's l- plenty of people listening probably know nothing about Hilton head, obviously a very famed storied course that we come back to every year. You've got the lighthouse in the background. We've had engagements here. We've had uh, people's favorite, say it, their fa- it's their favorite course. We've got all kinds of factors when it comes to this course and some crazy winners over the year, ones you might not expect, but talk to me a little bit about this course things that stand out to you, any stats that come to mind. Uh, I'll talk after the fact, but go ahead. Yeah, very gimmicky course, I would call it. Uh, you can call it plotter's course, positional course, but it's, it's, it's a little gimmicky. You know, it's very, very short, obviously, par 70, only a couple of par fives. Um, all about ball position off the tee, right? You're not going to see guys hitting many drivers here, maybe three or four for some guys. Um, there's basically no rough, right? So it's, it's really just are you on the right side of the hole? Are you on the left side? Are you on the right side? That rough versus fairway is not going to matter that much. 
you obviously have uh, extremely small greens, which I think we could talk about scrambling a bit. It's going to lead to more scrambling, uh, but scrambling here is actually pretty easy because it's it's flat. Uh, bunkers are pretty straightforward, um, but I'm certainly going to be factoring that in a little bit. And then anytime you have smaller greens, um, I think it 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 really kind of flattens the field in terms of putting because I mean everyone's going to have pretty decent looks. Uh, these greens are not overly hard. They're not overly big. They're not very undulated. So um, I think you're going to see some low scores here. I mean, minus 15, minus 16, maybe wins here. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the big narrative obviously is, is, you know, what do you do with guys who played well last week or who have played well multiple weeks in a row? You know, I, I'll mention Corey Connors for a second. You know, it's a guy that went eight matches deep at the match play and then played Valero as the defending champion or sorry, not defending champion, but from a couple of years ago and then contended at the masters. And now he's here strictly because of the RBC obligation um so like what do you do with guys like that yeah that's going to come up a lot too i think i mean i've already seen people debunking it people you know saying it's bad saying you know fatigue factors there's all different angles you can look at i saw you know posted from the previous year where some of the guys that played the masters last year and then came here even sync i think was t12 at the masters and then came out and won this tournament i think the biggest thing for me and just looking at it in general as you mentioned it like we know what the course is You just broke it down. We know the stats required. We know the game required. And I think for me, the biggest thing is more that uh, it's not even so much about recent form as it is about course fit. Like it's just totally different in the sense that like all these guys that are going to pop in your, in the models, they're going to show up as guys that have been playing great lately. And obviously it's good to be playing good golf. That that's no, no doubt. That's an obvious factor, but what about on shorter courses? What about on tree line? What about knowing where to, you know, plotters, like you said, to place the ball properly. And then obviously the smaller greens and factors like that, where that will just come into play. You don't necessarily have to be the best putter, maybe from five to 10 feet, because you're oftentimes going to miss. There's three par fives that are pretty much all gettable, even to these guys where they're going to go for it. They're going to miss. And then they're going to have to chip it up and get tight and make these shorter putts. So that's part of it. I think the five to 10 foot putting and just the scrambling and around the green in general, uh, even I think there's a par four here that you can go for it. So there there's, you know, just looking at the course breakdown, there's a lot of ways to get the job done. I like your call on the score. I think, you know, the people go back the web year, by the way, too, was not um, in this time. It was during the COVID era sort of situation when it first came out. So it was in June. A little bit, yeah. a little bit of the higher scores there, but last year, like Stewie Sink won at 19 under the guys behind them, all 15, 13, 12. So 15, 16 under, I like your call there. I think it's like what a plus one plus two type of cut line that we see here as well. Yeah. I think a lot of that's going to depend on, on the wind and the weather. I obviously yeah. I haven't started looking yet, but it is a, a coastal course to an extent. Um, but yeah, I mean, guys will, yeah, probably even would be a guess, maybe even one under depending on if, if guys are really playing well this week. Yeah, that, that could be the case, too. Obviously, like I said, keep track of weather. We'll have that more as the week goes on. When Mayo and I get to the live show chat on this very channel, Wednesday, 12 p.m. Eastern, you guys will be able to get all that from there. I mean, who knows what happens at this type of course? It can change overnight. So we'll wait and see what happens there. Um, Going to get into it then. Before we get into it, want to remind people of a very special offer we have this week from our sponsor, DraftKings. The golf season is rolling along, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official betting operator of the PGA Tour, has a gimme for new customers. Place any bet of at least $5 and get $100 in free bets no matter what. You can bet a golfer to win, bet single-round matchups, and so much more. As long as you throw down $5, you'll get $100 in free bets. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still get in on the PGA Tour action. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Golf Contests. 
Draft your lineup of six golfers and compete for over $1 million in prizes each week. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code FGD. Place a golf bet of at least $5 and get $100 in free bets no matter the outcome. That's promo code FGD at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official betting operator of the PGA Tour. 21 plus, restrictions apply. See show notes for details. All right, Barrett, let's do this. Let's get into it. We're going to go tier by tier, as always. I love the weeks when you're on. I always like to put a little bit of a, a saying to the acronym, and I said the B and Bear Off stands for big because we have some big weeks, so we get on the show together going through this stuff. I'm going to go through it tier by tier with you. You can give me the guys that you like, and this is always a decision to be had, right? So if you want, maybe before you get into this five-figure range from Patrick Cantlay up to JT, Talk to me a little bit about strategy for this week, because I think there's some that goes into it, but I want to get your thoughts first and then some of the guys that you like in this range. Yeah, you know, I think uh, it's obviously a course where we've seen a wide range of, of winners, uh, usually not the top guys. And then even if it is the top guys, you look at Webb or Kucher when he was really good, right? Not the longest hitters, uh, not the bombers, things like that. So I'm, I'm definitely hesitant to just kind of load in JT and DJ and that sort of thing. Um I think you have to make your decisions also on, of course, guys like Cam, who just had a really long and daunting week. I'm obviously leaning towards balanced builds, but I think everybody will be. Um, I still think that's the way to go here. Um, I think because of the strength at the top here, there are a lot of guys, even in the nines, but especially throughout the eights, who I think are going to be lower owned than they should be and who have a ton of upside here. Yeah, I I do like that. I I will cut you off, I guess, before you go to the players, because I want to add one more piece to what you just said. You know, a question that I always get is, you know, how do we get different with our balance builds? Because like you said, I think a lot of people will go that way. But you and I both agree. I'm with you on this one that I think it is the correct way to build here, not because of fatigue and masters and all that just depends on, you know, what we've seen. It's just such a long history of what we've seen. And then the style of golfer that goes out and wins this tournament, we've seen plenty of it. Now, the last thing I will push back just to say just so you can make your opinion on it is you and I were chatting pre-show. This is basically the same strength of field as the farmers that we just had, you know, it's that strong of a field this year around. So that could change some things. And then that field had Luke list win still like an, a guy we didn't expect to win it. And this place usually has long shots win. I think it's like three of the last four besides the web year, which you could kind of put an asterisk by in June where it was guys like 125 or even bet like even higher odds. So what are your thoughts around that? And then you can give mm-hmm. you guys you like up here. So, yeah, I mean, I think one thing, it's, it's super ironic that Luke List is actually cheaper this week than he was at Torrey Pines. Uh, that's how much he's kind of fallen off. But, yeah, like you look at that range, uh, I think he was mid-sevens. And, like, you look at guys like, I don't know, non Kokrak and, of course, Hadwin Shock, we'll talk about Streelman. Like, that's kind of the range where I think you could really do a lot of damage. Um, and when it, I, I think when you talk about getting unique with builds, I don't, like – I don't just focus on, on the ownership. Like I'd rather leave some salary and play the guys that I want to play. Like I'm not going to play a 2% owned Jordan speed for 9,200 just because I want to lower my team ownership. Like he sucks right now. He is not going to do well this week. Um, I'm not just going to put him in there because he's 2% owned. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. I think the salary factor is my angle. Like that's how I'm looking at it. If you're going to play these guys, play who you want. One of the things that always goes overlooked, even when we, you know, we don't do it on this show. It's a golf show, obviously, but playing a lot of daily fantasy myself and you as well in the NFL showdown streets. When The point is when you want to play a higher owned lineup because it's guys that you like, you just have to leave a bunch of salary on the table and then you can get away with it more. The more salary you use, 
the less owned you'd want to be because, you know, to avoid being duplicated and also to avoid, even if you're not going to be duped, people say, well, I'm, I'm leaving 300. I'm probably not going to be, you're not. But I always talk about this where then you're putting yourself in more two V two or three versus yeah. three situations where you're just, you're not going to be able to find very much leverage or you're one guy versus one guy on Sunday for all the money. And it makes it a little bit worse off than if you had a couple guys that could get you there while some of the other guys fall back. All right, that, that's enough strategy talk. It's good, I think, for this week. We may have some come up as we go throughout and just little things that we talk about for single entry, three max, whatever you think you're doing throughout. But uh, JT, Cam Smith, DJ, who knows the DJ here, uh, Morikawa, who we talked about, and then, of course, Cantley. right? Cantley sort of seemingly would be the best one here, but then look at last week. It did not look good. So uh, what are you doing up here in this 10K and above range? Yeah, um, I'm not playing Cantley. I can say that. I haven't played him at all this year. Uh, I think in this spot last year, maybe the year before, he missed the cut also. Um, he just hasn't been good. Like, the irons haven't been there. He's not putting as well as he has uh, when he's at his peak. So, really no interest there. Um, can't pay 10-8 for Cam Smith. Not after last week. He could burn me, but not going to go there. Uh, JT is not accurate enough. And so, that leaves me with DJ and Colin. Um, if I make 150 teams, which I probably won't do, I would certainly have uh, above the field on, on both of them. But if I'm narrowing it down, I would say uh, I'm going to lean DJ over Morikawa, assuming less ownership. Yeah, I think that's the case as well. And that's the one guy up here that I want to talk about because it's been like, you know, all the narratives come around like, oh, it's his hometown. He just goes there to have a vacation, all this. But you and I were talking pre-show and I, you know, tend to lean that way. First of all, he's playing pretty good golf right now. Even on Sunday, he had a few chances down the stretch, but it wasn't bad and he didn't have the worst week. But the other thing that stands out to me the most is like, if he was really just here to mess around, why does he play all four rounds every time? I know he's just here for, like, it's an RBC sponsorship. Sure, I get it. But I'm saying, if he wanted to mail it in on a sponsorship week, why doesn't he just do classic DJ on Friday, send it OB on the last yeah. hole when it's time to you know miss the cut and move on. He, he comes through and he's actually been in contention at least one time that I can remember. And then he shot like an 80 on Sunday and was absolutely not in contention. I remember this went under the big tree, made all the mistakes, hit the, uh, the brick front piece on that hole there that, you know, the water's right in front of just had so many mistakes on Sunday, but I think that it's a little bit more interesting. Cause you know, like you said, everything else you mentioned, Cantley has been bad. Uh, JT's really bad, you know, at times with the accuracy, Cam Smith, it's, it's a lot. I mean, I mean, I guess Cam Smith would be the other guy who would consider just to sort of, you know, I don't want to say it completely, but just crush everything after last week and say, you know what? I'm pissed. Let me go out and just ship this thing now. But I feel safer with DJ and I worry a little bit about Morikawa with that short game and how much does he care for the RBC heritage? Yeah, I think so. And, and just kind of back to DJ for a minute. I think even though, you know, his finishes have been middling here, you mentioned that he contended once, I think just playing this course a lot helps um, just kind of knowing where to hit it and kind of what sort of clubs to hit. And like you look back, I mean, obviously Austin Country Club was the match play, but I think it's a course that does correlate pretty well here. Um, obviously, Pete Dye design and not the longest course. And then even if you want to look at Sawgrass, like not a perfect comp here, but still pretty similar. He shot 63 on Sunday. So like you're not shooting 63 on Sunday at Sawgrass if you're not in good form. And yes, he didn't have the weekend at, at the Masters that we expected, but he's, he's playing really well right now. Yeah, I, I like it. I think it's well worth taking the risk and he's not going to pop up in very much. Like even when you go back, uh, he's also another thing I did this week. I just pulled it on Fantasy National. We talked earlier, fantasynational.com slash FGD, get yourself 20% off your first month. And you go back and look, even when you take it down, they have the under 7,200 yards look where you can go and see sort of guys on these types of courses. 
And that's where I said more of a coarse fit than a recent form, but it combines both. You can mix and match. Uh, DJ is like the worst in that up top as well. But I think everything you just said, again, that's where you're tying two things together. Does he fit the course based on where he's played recently? You can kind of tie it together. I like the comp to the, to the uh, Austin country club there for the WGC match play. Uh, A lot of short game magic and little things sort of placement, get it right. And of course, Pete Dye goes with it as well. So nice to see there. Cantlay, I know you're off him. He was the other one between DJ and Cam Smith. I kind of liked DJ. I definitely like DJ more kind of like Cam Smith, but I wasn't sure on Cantlay just because before the missed cut last year, and you talked about seeing the course a bunch, third, seven, third, the issue is coming in 39th, 26th, missed cut. Like it's, it's yeah, form's just not there right now. And then we're going to get to it. Perfect segue to the next price range. A lot of other guys I would probably rather play in here. So mm-hmm. t- talk to me about this 9K range. We've got Lowry down to Russell Henley. And I definitely think there's some guys you can use in here. But before you get into it, this is the bear off decision of death. You have Fitzpatrick and Berger, 9,600 and 9,500. That's your boys. So do you have a choice between them? Both? None? One or the other? And then what else are you doing in the rest of this range? If I had to pick, it would be both. Um Okay. Yeah, I, so I mean, Berger was I mean, obviously very disappointing last week with how he finished. Um, and Fitz has just been good across the board. Uh, I know going into last week, he was leading the tour in strokes game total. I assume he's still pretty close there. Uh, Scotty Scheffler will pass him if he hasn't already. Um, but yeah, you know, I'll, I think, again, I'll, I'll start with the guys that I'm not going to play. Spieth, as I mentioned, is a lost puppy at the moment. Uh, Corey Connors, as I said, he's got to be completely burned out. Um, it's not about RBC narrative or not. He had the match play week. He had Valero. He had the Masters. Uh, uh, he played well. I mean, all three weeks really. So not going to go there. I'm a little torn on on him. I I haven't played him much this year. Obviously, played great last week, but just doesn't seem like he's been 100 there. So um, if I'm splitting hairs here, I'm not going there. So yeah, give me Burger. Fitz, Webb, Neiman. Uh, I'd rather play guys like that who have a ton of courses for here. Yeah, Neiman's interesting. We were talking a little bit about that one earlier too. Like he uh, said he likes the course. So we'll, we'll see if that's the case and, and how he comes out and gets the job done. Yeah, see, Even- I jumped to Webb thinking Webb was in the 9Ks and he's not, which is, I guess, he'll be chalk at this point. Uh, yeah. He should be like 9,700. Uh, so yeah, Webb. <laughs> I, I, no, I knew I knew that. That's okay, though. I don't mind at all. I think that's a, a good conversation to bring up because I think he is going to be quite popular here this week. Yeah. So uh, we talked a little bit earlier about ways to get different and all that. And I think that's you know one thing you're going to want to do is definitely look at your total salary. But what about Lowry? You didn't mention him. And I, I got him popping sort of across the board. Now, obviously, last week is a factor, but really that to me is the only factor. If not, like he did, to me, around the green game, the placement of the ball we, approach was a little off, but other than that, he pops every angle on my stuff. So I'm just curious what you think about Lowry here bounce back from last week. Yeah. I, I, I mean, on paper, I've got nothing bad to say about him. He's been great. Played well last week has played well at this course. Um, just feels off. Feels like a lot to pay. Feels like a letdown spot. And again, you can say that for anybody, but I don't know why, but feels like a letdown spot to me for Shane Lowry. Yeah, and your Neiman call, I like. So, I saw a lot betting Henley today. Do you like Henley at 9K? Yeah, I mean, I think he's a fine play. Can he win in this field? I doubt it. Uh, but hes I don't think he's missed a cut here maybe ever, at least in a very, very long time. Um, and he's just been solid. Like, he he blew the back nine yesterday. He was, what, minus five at the turn. Um, tried to get me to the top 20 like a true hero and couldn't do it. But, um, yeah, 
Look, I just don't think I'm going to get there a lot because I mentioned web cheaper, love Neiman higher. Like, I guess I could play all three, but that's probably going to be a pretty popular build. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so Henley did come in ninth last year. Before that, it was a couple missed cuts, but before that he had 26, 23rd and a sixth. So uh, obviously it's always popular here though. Yeah. He's always a little bit popular. So that could be a definite reason to go away from a guy that's going to be more popular. And I don't know if Neiman will end up being as popular as, you know, we might, we're talking about him, but uh, I, I like him for sure. I like Sanjay. I, I know, like you said, he's not, not your favorite guy in this range. I just think Fitz is too good here. I think Berger is too good here. How you play them. Like I said, you could split them. You could play them together. You could do whatever you want. Uh, I think you could even start your builds with them. And that's a way to get different a little bit that yes, people will play balanced builds and do it, but there's way more room to get different when we get down below, then like you said, forcing in a 2% or 3% Jordan Spieth just to say you played a low-owned guy up top. So mm-hmm. uh, I don't mind doing that way either. So, you know, for me, Berger, Fitz, Lowry, M, Neiman, you know, more Berger and Fitz, a little bit of those other three is the guys I have interest in. As of right now, not as much interest in Henley like you mentioned there. Uh, you already talked about Webb. We can move it, go, move it down from here and keep it going. Webb down to Chris Kirk. This range seems to be the range that's going to be more popular than normal. Funny enough, we go back, what, the last at least three or four stroke strokes gained, uh, or sorry, stroke play events, forget match play for a second, where every single week, bear off, the conversation is the AK range is going overlooked. No one's using the AK range. Even what was it last week? I didn't even go back and check, but like that leaderboard, what do we have? Lowry, 8K range. Yeah, Lowry, you'd M, right? M. I guess um, Neiman was up while. there earlier in the week, but not. Mm-hmm. it didn't end, uh, you know, uh, Gooch 14th was 8,700. So mm-hmm. there was some 8K guys up there, but yeah, it just, it's always going overlooked this, this week. That won't be the case, right? Everyone wants to play a few guys in here. You yeah. mentioned Webb going to be very popular. So what are you doing here? I'm not sure. They're all good plays. Uh, I don't, I literally don't have anything bad to say about anybody here, except obviously maybe Hatton's not in the best headspace, uh, but he's also probably going to be the lowest zone. Like I'm, I'm done fading Harold Garner, uh, even though he seems overpriced. I'm just, I'm done fading him. Uh, Webb obviously feels like a lock. Billy Horschel has still been really good, played well over the weekend. Uh, we love Siwoo Kim at these type of courses. People forget how well Norm was playing uh, just because he didn't make the field at the Masters. Tommy Fleetwood's been great. This is obviously a Kisner course. And then I mean, Chris Kirk has been pretty good too. So um, I'm going to have to think about this more, but I mean, Webb's going to be the one that I focus on. If I had to pick a second one, it's probably going to be Fleetwood. I just feel like he's going to go overlooked a little bit, either Norn or Fleetwood. Um, it's going to be a Euro heavy week for me. It's funny enough. Uh, I was doing some hand builds just earlier today. Like once the price came out, I start looking at stuff and get some early ones just to sort of get a feel for what the week's going to be like. And I just kept landing on 8,300 and it's Norrin and Fleetwood. I'm like, which guy do you pick? Like, you know, you can pick either, but it was just funny. A lot of the builds, the way they shaped out just kept landing right on that spot. And I almost feel like, I don't know if it's just me. So if I do it, maybe others will, but I I saw myself like wanting to rebuild the lineup. Like just like, what, what could I do different to get away from this? Because I don't want, nor yeah. Fleetwood up front because a lot of people think like that because of the rest of the range. But realistically, there's nothing wrong with them as plays here at those prices. No, I think they're fine. And like Norm's done well on these kind of scramble small green courses, especially over in Europe. Uh, it doesn't seem like a great course for Fleetwood, but he's just been so good. And the short game has been so good. Um, I'm very curious to see where ownership shakes out here. Cause I think, I mean, like last week, it's not going to be a case where it's either he's a good play like black and white 
Like you could have won GPPs with Connors and Fitz last week, right? You also saw many GPPs where they weren't in the winners. Uh, you could have won GPPs with Neiman and Gooch last week, but they weren't in. So it's like, you just have to make the unique build. I think there's plenty of good plays here across the board. Yeah, and I think those are the ones to mix in. We talked about earlier, like how do you get different with a balanced build? And you think about it, like everyone's going to go, what, Fitz, Webb, someone next in this range. Mm-hmm. But if they don't go to Norin or to Fleetwood or to Chris Kirk because they want to go to Kisner, Varner, and you know other guys here, I think that's where you can get a little bit different. You could start, yeah, I mean, you could start Hat and Norin and you're already. Do whatever you want. You've crossed out 99.9% of the field. Yeah. Yeah. And then last thing I forgot to bring up off the top. I don't you know, know how much you care or others might. I just want to see here for two seconds with Varner because uh, Varner came ninth last year, right? So you know, he came second the- last year or sorry. Yes. That's, I meant yeah. to say second. It was, a, it was a Henley that came ninth year last mm-hmm. year, but I was just looking up Varner and his history before last year was not good, but he does have the experience. He's seen the course and now found around and you can argue he's a different golfer, but what I was going to bring up. So Cam Smith, Connors, Sungjae, Henley, Kirk, and HV3. We've pretty much talked about all those guys. They're all in this upper range from where we just got to with Kirk. They all finished very well last year and have seen the course plenty, but never played well the years before that. They all had random, Mm -hmm. like maybe a 39th in there or something. But for these prices, 8K and up, it's just interesting to note that if people are going to pull just what they did last year with what they're doing lately and creating a heavy ownership in that sense, That's where, like, look, I'm with you. I love HV3. I think he's a great play. It's hard to continue fading this guy. Everything that I have, even when I go back, so maybe he's a bad example. When I go back to um, the last year and a half or so on these types of courses, uh, shorter courses that require the around the green game, he's like fifth. He pops. He does well at these types of courses. So he's probably a bad example. But giving other examples, um, who's another one? Henley, maybe? We already talked a little bit on Henley. No, he shows up. HV3. Sungjae, not the best. So just those guys as an example of Connors, who you're already sort of off of. You want another reason? Not the best on these shorter courses with a full 50 rounds. And now you've got all those other factors. But people will look last year and say, he's playing. He just had his best finish at the Masters. He did well at the the, uh, WGC. And now another great finish here last year. Plug him in. Maybe not the case. Yeah, you know, I think one of the things that I've I've struggled with uh, in terms of kind of DFS is is trying to catch up the guys who improve. Uh, I was pretty good with Connors. I've kind of played him the whole time. I was late on, on Henley. Uh, I've been late on Varner. I was late on Horschel. I was late on Hoagie. You just kind of have to just adjust, right? These guys are playing like, I mean, Varner's never been this good. He is playing like a top 35 player in the world right now. Uh, probably as is Russell Henley. So yeah, the prices might steer you off. The ownership might steer you off, but you know, he's not the 6,700 Varner that we were playing a year and a half ago. He's just not that golfer anymore. Yeah. Var- Varner was a, a bad example, but you you nailed it there. And I think I'll, I'll talk one more thing on that. And second, Cam Smith was the other guy really bad mm-hmm. across these shorter course, even though he has the all around game. So that could maybe pull him away from me. Like we talked about DJ up there already, you know, just yep. play him instead. If you want to take your chances, maybe a Morikawa, like you mentioned, but yeah, HV3, that's the other thing we talked earlier about Scheffler and, and him opening up the floodgates and where he got to now coming off the top, winning the masters here, as we mentioned. And as you know, but Will Zalatoris, if he can just pull one win 
it could just be wide open from there. And now that the mental state of missing those three footers and whatnot just completely goes away because just the comfortability is there. Harold Werner yeah. winning the Saudi event. I don't care what anybody said for him. That's a big deal. That's huge. It's sure. a lot of money. There was plenty came out of that. And since then he had like a sixth an 18th, a great finish at the mat. Like he's got really good stuff coming since then. So I think he's a great example here at 8,500 that you could roll out. Uh, Siwoo, I'll be interested here. I know Mayo wanted him to play bad so he could play him this week. I don't know. People will probably play him, but he's probably still fine at 8,400. And then I like your call on some of the guys down below. Mav McNeely was the other one. So he's only played it twice, but a fourth place last year. Uh, you know, AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am was a spot where he showed up, which you could kind of say, little bit so it's on the coast you're shorter ish and that sort of setup but um he actually ranks up really poorly over 50 rounds on these shorter courses so what do you think about mav mcneely and then we can go through the 7k range just name some of the guys that you like we'll speed it up a little bit yeah i mean he's another guy who i've I've been very slow to address to um he's obviously he's been playing well really since last summer uh he does a lot of things really well scores really well putts really well all of which you need here but again, I, I think the ownership is going to keep me off this week. Um, I expect him to be very popular like he has been. And I would rather uh, I would rather play guys with a better course fit in history, like nah, even Matt Kuchar. We used to play Matt Kuchar here for 10-5, right? We would stack him and Webb and then just figure out the rest. And mm-hmm. now you can get them for like an average of 8,200. Um, so I'm probably leaning that way more than I am Maverick McNeely. Yeah, one note on that to the Kucher thing. People might make fun of it. Maybe you will pick up steam by the end of the week, but uh, obviously he's playing well right now. He almost got into the Masters. He tried to do his thing. He was there to give the old, uh, you know, the the Kucher side smile to JJ Spawn, like, great job, young fellow. And you know, he was absolutely pissed and choked that it wasn't him getting into the Masters instead, but played well there. I did hear a few things already mentioned about how that was all putter. Well, that's what happens when a guy comes in yep. second at a tournament. He usually putts pretty damn well, especially at a place like Valero, Texas Open. So uh, it's part of it. But at the same time, you go back, look at the, like, again, you mentioned history, past winner. Now that's way back, but around the green game is just phenomenal. 10 of the last 11 events he's gaining, and some of them very heavily around the green as well. That's what you need here, right? He's going to be able to, he's been playing fine otherwise. So he's going to put it close, miss it, come around the green, make his shots and be able to move up from there. I like Kevin Na. These prices, like Kevin Nod, 7,800, people will say it's fair. It just kind of seems low to me. So I like that a lot more. I like Hadwin. I like Hoagie. I even like Streelman. Like all, all these guys to me pop up here. So uh, just staying above 7,500. Anybody like Harmon, Nito, all those guys there. Who else do you like 7,500 and above? Yeah, I mean, Hadwin's got to be mega chalk, but I, I really don't see any reason not to play him. Um, yeah, so for me, it's going to be Kuchar, Nod, and Hadwin, probably my top three there. Okay, perfect. I, I like it. And then uh, any thoughts on Cameron Young? <laughs> Not the course? Not the course. No. I was hoping last week was the course, as most of us were. Yeah. Uh, no, definitely not the course for a guy who uh, bombs it and has a streaky putter. <laughs> flop, flop lag, though, Baroff. We, we had the, you know, last Your week. Your flop lag is Pat and Kazire. We'll get there. Uh, well, we are going to talk about that. Absolutely. You that's, guys will- like, that's the spot. Go, go ahead. Kick us down in this range. If we we're playing this guy, well, you and I talk about this the most. What was he? 8,300 or 8,100? If you're going to play and him. And chalk and like mega And chalk. I was yeah. just going to say. And now he's down to 7,100. be 8%, 7%. Yeah. And like, I think this is a much better course for Pat Desire, even though, you know, he had played well in, in the state of Texas. Um, he's kind of got the mold of like a Wesley Bryan, right? Where not a great driver of the ball, but can get really hot with the irons and putters. Um, 
he's probably a good first round leader candidate as well. So I would rather kind of save down here. Like I think Pat Gazire, uh, Lucas Glover, even Charles Howell, like I'm going to play those three more than I will really anybody else in this kind of mid to low seven K range. You're reading my notes. We've definitely done this show before. I know you filled in now probably <laughs> 10 shows ever, or maybe, maybe it's up to 15. Now it's not about that. It's more about like, i definitely know we've done the RBC heritage together. If we go back and look, because my note later was we have to talk about your boy, Wesley Bryan. Cause that's always, mm-hmm. even when nobody in the world wants to talk about this guy, cause he's a loser now or whatever they want to say, this has he's, been his he's somehow back in the field. So he you doesn't know. miss a cut here, man. He does not miss any cuts here. So we'll, we'll talk about mm-hmm. him when we get down there. Uh, you mentioned me earlier today. I thought this was a good one too. Just a guy I've been playing, uh, you know, hoop over at Rumpier sports. Him and I talk about this guy all the time. People just keep making fun of him, but Troy Merritt just keeps getting the job done and he's 7,400. He's cheap enough. This is what we want with Merritt, right? We want him in a weaker field, but this is stronger now. I shouldn't say that. Mm-hmm. So we just talked about earlier how strong this one is, but usually we want him in sort of a, a weaker field. We'll give this one a bonus. though. it's definitely stronger, but we want him cheap and we want him the ability to score. And that's what we've got here. Merritt's at 7,400. So what, what about him? I've heard people talk about Russell Knox, Denny McCarthy. A- any love for those guys in this range? Um, I mean, for a course fit, yeah. Knox just lacks the upside, obviously. You know, he'll finish 40th at 30th, something like that. Um, I just don't play Denny McCarthy very often. But again, seems like a good course for him. You don't have to hit it far. You need to make a lot of birdies. I should probably play Troy Merritt, but at this point, it's just uh, it's like a scarred relationship where he's bad when I play him and he's great when he's chalk. So, um, but if I was making 150, yeah, I, I would probably be overweight on on Merritt. Yeah, the McCarthy one for me, we'll see what he you know turns into. I, I do kind of like him just based on, uh, you know, it's not the 13th last year. It's for me, it's when you go back and look, he actually rates out really well, uh, you know, scrambling around the green, stuff like that. When you go back the last 50 rounds on the shorter courses, it's a spot that he shows up some sharper guys out there betting him and better with these uh, longer par threes. That's another note. We, mm-hmm. you know, we talked a little about at the top when we did stats and whatnot, and just the, the course preview, the par threes here really long, right? They're all one ninety plus you get wind involved with the coast possible, everything like that going on. You want guys that are good on those longer par threes. And he's been pretty good on those as well. It also translates to the par fives and stuff too, or the longer par fours where you've got those types of shots in. So I, I can see going there. I like Pat and Gazire, like you mentioned, down at the bottom. And I was going to ask you about one more guy, a guy that we talk about sometimes, but uh, haven't seen him. He actually, I don't think he's played here, or he might have played here like once. Well, he's played here more, but back in the day, I'm going to pull it up. Tringali is who I'm talking about. I think he missed the cut twice, but it's like back in 2015 when he played. Again, I don't think you need to catch up to a guy like Tringali. It's not like he's breaking records or doing anything you know, substantial, but he's another guy that showed up for me, Bear Off, just in those sort of the par four ranges, the approach, all the shorter courses that he's played, he has done better on, and he's 7,000. So I don't know, but I mean, CT Pan is there as well, the 2019 winner. You're just going to name it, uh, everybody except for Ricky Fowler? Is that is that what you're doing now? Yes, <laughs> we're not talking about him at 7,000. He needs to be 6,000 now. Yeah, prob- uh, probably no probably no Tringali for me, just not as sharp recently as as he was last year. Uh, I, I would play CT Pan, though, I think. His finishes haven't looked good, but if you look, he's had some really good iron weeks uh, and some really good iron rounds. And he's still, I think he's made four cuts in a row or something. So obviously his one here, these are the types of courses to play him at. So yeah, I would play Pan. Yeah, I, l- I like that call too. Again, we, we talk about it all the time, but this course is just, you know, got to get in the fairway first. It's what he does. 
And then you got to be able to find your spots from there. He was able to do it here already just a couple of years ago. So uh, I think he's a good play to go to here. Strap down though. Let's go back to these uh, down to the story. 6k range. I think first off, we, we didn't talk about this off the top either. What is it? 132 in the field this week. So again, mm-hmm. I think there's going to be a lot of 6k guys that make the cut. My count here on the range is 78 guys. There's a bunch that are probably yeah. completely unplayable, but of the 78 out of 132, like that, that's a pretty good number. So I think you got to be willing to go down in this range and make some decisions there. So who are some of the standout guys for you in the 6K range? Yeah, there's actually a lot. Uh, that's okay. This is where we can spend our time. Yeah. I mean, just kind of scrolling through from the top, you know, I, I would probably consider Brendan Todd. Uh, I will definitely have Joel Damon. Probably do Snedeker after seeing some signs of life, but of course that he's obviously been very good at. Um, there's no reason to stop playing Chad Ramey, right? He won uh, in Putacana and then backed it up with the top 40 in Texas. Uh, I'll let you guys talk about Grio. Uh, and then Matt Needsmith, like, guy's been really good. I don't really care about that miscut at uh, Valero. Uh, this is, again, one of the courses. He's a, you know, an accuracy, greens and regulation type guy. He's done well here. Like, just keep playing him. I think he's the the engaged the engagement right as well. I think that that was the situation. Yeah, Matt Neesmith here, he got engaged, and that's yeah. why everyone says to play him. And then what did he do? He came. Uh, I think he had a good result here, like last year, finally or something. Forty uh, eighth and thirty third. He's been in the mix, but mm-hmm. uh, we talked about it earlier. Like if Russell Knox is going to be a thirty ninth or a fortieth, why yeah, not yes. down and play Neesmith? He's for sixty six hundred, and obviously yeah. he's in better form now than he was a year ago. So even if he finishes twenty fifth, right? That's that's plenty for sixty six hundred. Oh yeah, that that's huge for sure. Like you said, and then just the, the ability to score DraftKings points at that as well. So yep. um, what he's going to come up at, I, I love that. Did you have a a difference maker between Todd and Damon? Uh, because those two are actually getting talked about a little bit and coming up a lot. If you go back and look, like. Brendan Todd is the epitome of what this course is. And for the main reason being the obvious, yeah. you've got to be in the fairway. He's number one over the last 50 rounds and it, and, and number one, when you flip it to the less than 7,200 as well. So this guy is just on top of it when it comes to that, would you lean him over Damon or do you like Damon a little bit more? Um, in a vacuum, I like Damon a little bit more. Uh, he's just a better long-term player. Um, I trust his iron game more. Uh, obviously Todd's going to hit every fairway. I just don't, I don't love Damon short game. Like if he does miss screens and if he does have to make every five, six, seven, eight footer, I think he's going to miss a lot more than Todd, but he's certainly a better player. Yeah. And the, uh, the other thing about it too, you mentioned just a minute ago, um, who won in Putacana, a uh, Ramey. We like him. Dame, Damon's won in Putacana. If you think about some of that cross crossover, like if the winds pick up the coastal design, everything that sets up there, there is some, some likeliness there. And then I think Brendan Todd would get more ownership than Joel Damon. Even though Damon's sort of a fan favorite to us or within the DFS mm-hmm. bubble, people like playing him. Brendan Todd just looks like the guy that pops on all the stats, the models, everything that people are going to play off of. And if you see sort of a wide range there, a wide gap when it comes between those two, I think it's easy to go to Joel Damon. He's right behind him. He's 12th in these fairways gained. So it's not too far back from Brendan Todd. Yeah. And I think, again, like what you said, more guys down here are going to make the cut. Uh, if you do want to play a couple or like, three 9K guys in a team, you're probably going to need to grab one or two down here. And I think there's there's even plenty lower than that. So uh, yeah, plenty of options this week. Yeah, we'll go there. Um, we almost break it up like two ranges because we didn't do 6,500 and below. Uh, a couple more that stood out to me. So Brian Stewart, another guy sort of right behind uh, Brendan Todd. Hey, basically, mm-hmm. that's the other part too, is if you end up seeing Brendan Todd coming in at like 8% or 10%, 
and Stewart's like 2%. I think you just play him. He, he's got the same. He's number two in the fairways gained. He's 18th overall. He's solid across the board on all the stats that we like for this course. Um, it's just a, a, a ladder, like a move you can make there to, to drop down. And then JT Poston, a miniature cam champ at the Masters type situation here. He's got two out of three really strong results, uh, eighth yep. and sixth. Missed the cut last year, but before that, eighth and sixth, depending on you know how you look at it. One was in June, of course, but still, uh, Sea Island guy. What are your thoughts on JT Poston? And then bring me down 6,500 and round it out. Yeah, I don't. Poston's just not a guy that I play. Um, he should fit well here. Obviously, knows the course very well. Um, he's normally a very good putter. I would rather. I would rather play the guys in form, right? So like right above him, we skip Nate Lashley, who's got like four top 25s in a row out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know that much about Nate Lashley's game, um, but obviously the form is there and I'd rather probably play a guy like that than post him. Yeah, Lashley, like you said, so 18th at the Valero, 15th Putacana, 27th Valspar, 7th Puerto Rico. So four straight coming in. Uh, yeah. Gaining approach in all of them, you would assume, based on obviously Punta Cana and Puerto Rico don't have it, but seventh uh, and fifteenth, so had to have some semblance of a game there. He's been off a little bit with the putter, but that's sort of what's holding him back. But like you said, at that type of price point, we're good to go. Uh, a few yeah. other guys down here I want to talk about. So Michael Thompson, four straight made cuts here, eighth and tenth in the two years before last. He's shown up a little bit. I, I don't love the guys down here. The one standout I know everyone in the world. Has already bet him. Maybe a, a better bet than a play here, but Svensson, I, I've got yeah. the Canadian bias, but I, I like him right out of the gates. I told you I like him and Neesmith today. That was two of the bombs that I bet. Uh, Neesmith looks a little better on paper. Everything, like you said, a little bit of form last you know, two events back coming in third. But uh, Svensson, fairways, greens, it just feels like what he can do is just, will he make enough putts? Probably not. $6,400. No. <laughs> yeah, no. yeah, really. He's I think he's going to be. I think he's going to be popular. Yeah. Like yeah. I would, I would almost rather just play doc Redmond, but probably not interested in, in either one of them this week. And then, uh, you know, <laughs> one last question, the gro- the gross two at the bottom, Luke Donald, this used to be the house that Luke Donald built. Yep. And then sort of 2017, he passed the torch to Webb, who we've got at 8,800 and Webb just took off from there. So Luke Donald. And then of course I did ask you earlier, but just to finalize on Wesley Bryan, uh, never mm. missed a cut yet. 2017 winner. Him and Luke Donald, any love? Yes, not to Wes. I won't be playing Wes. Uh, I will be playing Luke Donald. Like, he's made a couple cuts. Uh, he had one top 20 in there, I think, with Valspar. Had yeah, to be Valspar. The iron play is awesome. You know the short game will start to come around a little bit. He's got, I mean, one of the best short games of all time, coming back to a course that he loves. Um of course, we talk about the course history here, but recent course history has been bad. So it's like, it's not like he's going to be 5% owned. He's going to be like 2% owned. Um, yeah, I will certainly play him. Uh, not going to play West. The other guy down here, um, I guess there's two. Ben Martin, uh, been in a lot of good form. Uh, just, just seems like a guy who can make the cut. But one that I do have a lot of conviction on this week is Bryce Garnett. Um, has been sneakily very good all season. Loves this type of golf course. Um, he's obviously not a long hitter, but a good putter. Also one, uh, I don't remember if he won Corrales or Puerto Rico. I think it was Corrales as well. So if we want to invent that narrative, uh, <laughs> we can. But uh, yeah, Donald, Bryce Garnett, confident that those guys can make a cut here. Yeah, Garnett's interesting because I had him tagged up just to look at it, just to see what he was doing. So Because he was four or five made cuts here. 
you go back and look at some of the events. I, I like creating a good narrative. That's always fun. But uh, he hits every fairway. Like he's kind of like a mini Brendan Todd. Doesn't putt as well, but he hits a ton of fairways. He's been hitting a ton of greens. Um, and he's a guy that I, I mean, we've seen him make birdies. Like he's the type of guy who could go out and shoot six under on Thursday and you wouldn't bat an eye, you know? Yeah. I, I really like the Garnett call. I, I couldn't go back and find it, but one thing I did pull up just in, on my other model here was, you know, can be a good putter on these shorter courses. So that's fine. Mm-hmm. But his fairways gain, he's ninth over 50 and he's got 50 rounds over the same term. Like some guys only yeah. have eight rounds or like even Jim Furyk over the last year and a half or two, but playing these uh, shorter courses only has 29 rounds. Garnett has all 50. He's ninth in fairways. He's also fourth in those longer par threes we talked about earlier, which is going to be a factor here. And all we're really talking about with a guy like this is, you know, make the cut and have ability to give upside. I harp on this a lot. So I'll round it out with this, but he doesn't just need to make a cut. People always say that. Yes, at his price, he'll score well still enough when he makes a cut. But if another dude above, below, close by, whatever goes out and torches the place, Garnett's not going to be required. But the point of putting him in is he actually has upside on top of that. He's got top tens. He's pulled off top twenties. And then you go back and just look at some of the results here. Like you were getting me to bring it up. I, you know, I was just thinking about as we went seventh in Puerto Rico, like last month, like 27th at the Valspar. Like this is not a guy. He is the guy that can make the cut and then get you the top 25 upside. So go ahead. Final thoughts. And then we'll move to bets. Yeah, and I think one more thing on on Bryce Garnett as well. Like his his T fifty at at Sawgrass is going to go overlooked, but one that's not a bad result, and two he was up there for a couple of rounds. Like he was in or uh, near the lead, like halfway through Saturday. So um, yeah, I mean, don't be afraid to take some shots this week with the small field and more guys making the cut. Um, I don't think you should jam double stud. Like don't jam uh, DJ and JT in a team. It's not going to work. But if you did want to stack like four 8k guys or even five 8k guys and then you need a punt i think you can do a lot worse than bryce garnett yeah definitely love that call on the punt plays just use them to find your way about building your lineup so that uh, you can you can get to the top without just doing what everybody else is doing right if you're not putting in jt and cam smith with bryce garnett just because that's what's capable of being done you can find your way to the top a little bit easier so let's move on one thing before we get to the bets, I want you to do just do three because Kenny's not here, but try and guess the, the three cash game cornerstones. <laughs> Give me three of the four. Oh, man. Um, Neiman, Henley, and Kucher. Okay, maybe throw Webb in there. We've got the cash game cornerstones for the week. So, uh, Neiman, yeah, what did you say? Those. Neiman, Henley, Kucher? Yeah, I think uh, that's. Well, We'll leave yeah. that for the week. I'm going to put it in my notes. We'll see uh, Neiman Henley Kucher, and I'll throw in Webb to round it out. Kenny, your work is done, buddy. You can do that. <laughs> Fix your two around it, and we'll go from there. Uh, bets. I've got uh, seven here, but I'm starting at 45. I'll do mine because I know you know mine are yours in some cases, so you can just yep. say which ones you have after anything else you're adding. But Kisner, 45. Varner, 55. Na, 60. Hadwin, I'm blaming you for this, 66. I did get him on there. Uh, Patton Gazire, 110. And then my two bombs that I just love, Neesmith, 175, and Svensson, 250. Everything with the top five each way. What do you got the same? Is there anything else that you like? Uh, the overlap would be Varner, Hadwin, Nah. Um, I actually didn't do any long shots this week. I just, I just feel like uh, my heart wasn't in it. And there's a lot of really good players here. So uh, Varner had a win now with a three mid-tier, and then I went Webb and Neiman. Uh, so just five for me this week. Okay. Uh, what was the Neiman number? 
It was 30. Okay. That's yeah. I like that. Actually. That's uh, I think, you know, just looking at stuff from people going up top, like I've already heard a lot about like burger uh, Fitzpatrick, obviously popular. And then I, I don't know. I haven't heard too much. Otherwise, like, I, I guess people aren't really betting the top as of right now, but uh, I, a lot of guys, I think, they, I think you'll hear it. Like everyone will like pick one. It'll probably be a lot of Morikawa. Um, uh, probably some DJ as well. So we'll see. Yeah. I think you're right. I think it's going to be a Kawa DJ stuff. So uh, that people end up going to once you see that stuff out there. So one and done, I'm just going to pick some of those guys that we talked about. <laughs> I think like a Neiman, I think you can go a Kisner, a Kevin Na. like where else are you using these guys? This would be yeah. the spot to do it. Your thoughts? Yeah, it's tough. You know, this is definitely a course where I would normally just do Weber. I might still do Web. Um, obviously, I haven't used him yet. Uh, I just don't trust any of these top guys. If I have fits, yeah. Okay. Probably fits or Web for me would be where I'm going. Yeah, one one thing is so Fitz is only so in the the Mayo Cup, the Fantasy Golf Championships Mayo Cup, Fitz is down to seventy six percent. A lot of people have used him, and Berger's seventy one. So uh, we're not that far. Where did people season. use Fitz? I don't understand. Like Berger, like he always plays like Sony yeah. and things like that. Honda, I, I things like where, that. People might have had him there, but oh, I don't know yeah. where people have used Fitz before. But all right, cool. I'll use him. Sure. Yeah. I'll see. I think he's a good play here. And I think uh, maybe I should just start playing the good plays in one and done because I keep playing the bad ones and hedging out and it ends up being horrible for me. I've used them. I, I screwed up with Rom. I screwed up with JT. So yeah, who knows? Yeah. All right. Well, that's good, man. I appreciate you as always hopping on here with me. I think that's good for this week. So you can let the people know where we can find you and then I'll take us home. Yeah, sure. Um, Arbero427 at Twitter. Feel free to DM me any questions. Golflandia podcast with Wiley, although I may sit this one out tomorrow, depending on how I'm feeling. <laughs> so we'll see. You already did your work this week. So yeah, that, my that's heart's good. not in it this week. It's all right. No, it's okay. I think, again, you, you laid it out. You always do a good job on here, and you put out basically a player pool, right? You can go through and sort of take your picks, put them together, and find your way to the top. I've definitely been the beneficiary of that in the past. Got to make my bear off lineup for the week. So I'll let you know how that goes. Appreciate you coming on as always. Shout out to Wiley, Golflandia. Like you said, go check that out if you guys haven't already. You can find me on Twitter at Totag and Tambo. Thursday, or sorry, Wednesday morning, the tidbits will be out. The thread, keep it rolling for you guys. Get the 15 plays of the week that I like out there. Some of the little interesting nuggets I find around the industry. I'll have that out. It's free as always, just a tweet. So you guys can retweet it for me. I'd appreciate it. And then of course, runpuresports.com. We've got our own special code, DGEN50, D-E-G-E-N-5-0. Sign up. It's one one price, all sports. We've got MLB starting up and NBA, sorry, playoffs are on the go right now. And then, of course, all the golf content. So that's going to do it for this week. Let's win some motherfucking money. DGEN Nation. Up.